I think sometimes we want things too quickly and we think we're going to to be amazing at it. But when I look back to the sort of person I was then, I think it was probably a you know a right choice that that they made for the organization, even as it was devastating for me personally. Have you ever applied for a job or a promotion or pitched for a new project or business deal and delivered such a stellar application that you were fully 100% convinced this one is mine? And then a few days or a few weeks later, you get a Dear John or Dear Jane letter. Well, my friend, this episode is for you and also for me. Hello there and thank you for joining me on Hungry Women at Work the podcast to help you thrive at work without losing your soul. I am Navila Malloy, and today we're talking about dealing with disappointment. Let me begin by sharing my story. Today's episode was meant to start with some great news. Just over a month ago, I was encouraged by one of our listeners, she knows who she is, to apply for a podcast creator program, which offered three months of intense training, mentorship, and a significant amount of funding in U.S. dollars. It's a program aimed at growing underrepresented voices in podcasting around the world with a focus on BIPOC communities. BIPOC, you may or may not know, stands for Black, Indigenous and People of Color. Now, as a brown-skinned girl myself, Indigenous to South Africa, hosting a podcast aimed at empowering and supporting women in their work, I pretty much met all of the requirements. In total, the application took me about 16 hours to complete. I kid you not. I clicked file, save, submit, and set a reminder to check my email on 7 September when they were announcing the shortlisted candidates. In the meantime, I started planning how I was going to recruit an all-woman production team for the podcast once I was chosen and the funding came in. Now, days rolled by till the email finally came in. Except instead of a congratulations email, it was a, we regret to inform you, and then the rest of the words just become blurry. You know, those emails. I've got to be honest with you. I was shocked, disappointed, in sheer disbelief. I reread that email thinking, perhaps I missed something. But no, it was there. I mean, how could Google Podcasts and PRX not choose our amazing show for their fully funded in US dollars podcast creator program? Oh, did I forget to mention that it was for Google? My bad. Do you feel my pain even more now that you know? Well, we have all known and felt the pain of disappointment in our lives, both professionally and personally. After I recovered from my shock, I gave myself the pep talk in my best Viola Davis accent. You is kind, you is smart, you is important. And then I decided that misery tastes better when shared with friends and that I needed to turn my pain into purpose. Hence this episode. 
Today's guest is Agnes Sibanda, an entrepreneur and a youth talent catalyst who has had her share of disappointment and who's also mentored many young people through the pain of disappointment through her work of coaching young people in business. I've known Agnes for almost two decades and she's true older sister material. She keeps it real, tells it to you straight and you walk away feeling empowered. Let's hear more from her. Agnes Sibanda, welcome to Hungry Women at Work. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Agnes, I've known you for several years and I've watched you grow in significant ways professionally. You've actually reinvented yourself quite a bit along your career path. Where you're at right now is that you're a bit of a serial entrepreneur. Tell us a bit more about that. In terms of what I'm doing at the moment, um, I work as executive director for a high school scholarship called SSP, the Student Sponsorship Program. Essentially, what we do is we select, we recruit and select the top um, high schoolers, the top, I guess, grade sixes from the poorest communities, and we give them um, scholarships into the top 25 schools in Gauteng and Eastern Cape. So that's very exciting because the two things we focus on are academics and leadership development. And then my other work and my other life, I work with um, early stage businesses. I have a special interest in businesses that are started by youth. So um, coaching and mentoring them. And then there's a couple that I funded. And then I also um, have set up a platform that helps university students um, generate verifiable work experience. So being able to create, to, to find language for the work experience that they have, but also to collect, to connect them to, to part-time and permanent um, job opportunities. So my interest really is helping people to, um, to grow and building the future talent pipeline and also working with businesses to either grow or to improve in what they're doing, yeah. That's brilliant because it speaks into two areas that are needing so much by way of investment into it, both youth development and then young people in business. So in our last episode, we actually dealt with how to manage change. And that seems to be the buzzword of 2020. But for today's episode, we want to do shift into a different space, which is all around dealing with and overcoming disappointment. And I I shared earlier about a recent incident um, where I had a dear John letter um, for a huge opportunity that I was very convinced I was going to get. And it was interesting for me to just place myself in the middle of that feeling of disappointment and the, oh my word, how could this, I thought I was going in one direction and it, it never came to pass. So today we want to talk about dealing with disappointment. And previously when we chatted, I know that you, through your professional journey and um, the myriad roles you've taken on, you've experienced some disappointment yourself. Yeah. Can you tell us about some of those times? Yeah, so I think two that stand out for me is the first one was um, in my very first GM role, I thought I was kicking 
but quite a bit. And um, there was a CEO position open and um, that role didn't come to me. It was given to a person who was a newbie, a male who joined the organization. So that left me quite gutted. And Ouch. I think it coincided with, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with a lot of other things that were happening in my life at the time. So, yeah, so it was, it, 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 it was something that I needed to, to work through and get over. And then I think the second one was more in my personal life. I think there was a season where I, um, I was quite devastated that I was not yet uh, married because I seemed to be always either attending a wedding or a baby shower or mm. uh, being a bridesmaid. And it felt like, why not me? So <laughs> I know that um, season. I do know that season. <laughs> yeah. So I think, yeah, so I think those were the two that, sort of have stand out immediately when I think about, about disappointment. Yeah. Okay. Now I know I've piqued quite a few people's interest um, just, or you have piqued quite a few people's interest by <laughs> speaking about your um, 27 dresses experience, but let's just, oh, yes. let's go back to the professional incident first. So there you were working hard, giving it your best um, the writings on the wall, all the signs are there. I'm headed for this promotion. I'm headed in this direction. So the feelings of anticipation, the faith for it, the belief in it, the worked hard for it, and then boom, it doesn't happen. Tell us about that. Take us into that space, how you were feeling, what motions you went through and, and how you worked or navigated your way through it? Yeah, so I, um, I think the first one was disbelief. Um, you know, I just, I couldn't believe that that was the outcome. As you said, you know, I had faith that this was, I, I almost, I felt almost like it was an inevitability. And then to realize that it wasn't was a big shock. So yes. I was quite shocked and, 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 and couldn't believe it. And then I think I felt a sense of betrayal because mm. I, I felt like I had poured my heart into this and, and my outgoing CEO and, and the board, you know, had, I, I felt like they were basically saying that it wasn't worth anything, which obviously isn't true with the benefit of hindsight, but that's how it felt. And then um, after that, I guess the, yeah, and then I, I did ask them because I wanted to know why it was that this person, you know, was being selected over me. Also because I'd been with this organization, at, I joined it at a point where they were launching a few things. So I felt like it was something that I had built or been part of building and therefore I deserved to, to run it into the yes. future and put my stamp on it, yeah. Um, yeah. And then, um, yeah. And then afterwards, I guess you get to a place of sort of acceptance and then realizing that you have to coach the incumbent into a role that you feel like you've been prepared for. So that was oh, hard. <laughs> you have to be oh. <laughs> well, I, yeah. I, I feel like I need just like a, a universal auto cue track, like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it was a lot that was going on. So, um, yeah, so, yeah, having to, to, yeah, to, to help this person transition into their, their role, um, 
was tough, but it was also humbling. And I guess what I take away from the experience in general is that, um, you know, nothing is an inevitability. And, and, and I think with the benefit of hindsight, I often think that I'm glad that I, I got to be um, a non-CEO leader or to go on an extended leadership journey um, to where I am, because I think sometimes we want things too quickly and we think we're going to, to be amazing at it. But when I look back to the sort of person I was then, I think it was probably a, you know, a right choice that, that they made for the organization, even as it was devastating for me personally. Wow. There's a woman listening right now, or a man listening right now, who, <laughs> who, needed, who needs a bit of encouragement. Because, I mean, there's something to be said for five years down the line, 10 years down the line, looking back, mm-hmm. hindsight. But you're in it right now to the person who's in it right now and just feeling completely silly disbelief and shock and betrayal. Yeah. yeah. What reflections would you share? with them right now? Um, I think the reflections would be to say, remember who you are. Um, Because I think what happens when we go through something like that, our sense of our perspective becomes distorted. So it becomes, they hate me, they don't value me, or I'm undervalued, or I'm not valuable, I'm not not as good as I thought I was, etc. So I think perspective is then to know that you're still the great person that you think you are and to maybe think about what the lesson is in that moment for you. Sometimes the big lesson is you stayed too long and that you should have moved. Sometimes the big lesson is actually you've outgrown that environment and you do need to to leave. Um, And sometimes the big lesson is maybe they, I have a blind spot that, you know, that, that people can talk to me about. So I've also found that it's helpful to humbly, not angrily, um, (laughs) to to find out why, you know, you're not offered or not given that, um, that opportunity and then figure out, use all that information to figure out what the, the, the truth of the situation is so that you're not, um, you're, not, you're not on a downward spiral, but can continue on an upwards trajectory in your life. But that, you know, what defines us is not how far we fall, but our ability to, to stand and, and to keep going. So I think to know that this shall pass, this too shall pass, you know, it's never, it's never forever. And when you look back, you always realize what was I crying about anyway. Such truth. And in your work with dealing with young people, uh, young graduates or, you know, out there trying to make their mark in the world, you probably get that a lot. So how does one balance the not taking on untruths about yourself, but also be willing to see that maybe there's still an opportunity for growth for me. Maybe there's a blind spot in my life. How does one know the difference? Um, I think when it comes to graduates and young people, I think it's to know that your degree is just that. It's a degree and most people where you're trying to work have got one. So calm down. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I would say. Because I think often, you know, 
I, I really enjoy the enthusiasm and zeal of young people, but often they'll come at you with this. I'm ready to, you know, to contribute to workplace. Yes. You know, and so I think um, my, my, what I would say in terms of truth and perspective to young people is go into workplaces like a sponge, right? Learn everything from everyone, from, you know, the tea lady to the CEO to whoever you're exposed to take every opportunity to, to learn because the more you learn and the more people see you as someone who wants to participate or to be an active citizen in the environment, the more interested they'll be in, in giving you opportunities. And I think also to be, um, you know, to be, to be humble again, you might um, have to scratch this, but one of the things that I've heard before, I've had a grad say to me, I'm a, you know, university ex-finance grad. I absolutely am not doing that, you know, but the CEO was doing the same thing. And so, you know, I sit there and I think to myself, well, you know, we all have degrees, so yeah um yeah so i think you know yeah so i think that would be the perspective for me for 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 young people is um is the truth is you're young and no matter how brainy you are there are some things that only time and a learning mindset can give and multiply to you Hmm. i wish you had been there 15 years ago (laughs) i think you could have saved me a lot of crying into my pillow and feeling like the world was against me (laughs) in in my early 20s. Now let's, there's a lot more that I want to unpack there, but I know somebody needs to hear the story about why not me? Why not yet? I thought it would be my turn and it hasn't happened for me yet on a personal level. How has that been for you and how has that impacted how you show up in the world? Yeah, so I think that at the time that I was going through this, um, you know, I like your example, 27 dresses uh, phase. I think I I started feeling less of myself because I was hearing so many mixed messages. You can't be too ambitious if you're a woman and you're wanting to get married. You can't, you know, don't buy a house. Wait until there's a guy, you know, you're too, um, you know, strong in the workplace in the way that you speak and you do things and whatever. So then I found myself going the other extreme where I tried to be meek and mild to be personable, whatever, you know, my interpretation of those things were, but you know, what I found they did is that they made me feel, is this a word inauthentic? I didn't feel like myself, you know, I Mm. tend to to be quite a direct person. I tend to be, you know, what you see is what you get. So it was very difficult, but I think the big lesson there was then, um, you know, how do I find my true north or my, you know, I hate these cliches, true north, authentic <laughs> self. So I'm sorry that I'm doing it to you and love the listeners. It. We love cliches. <laughs> yeah, but, but, they, but they are true, right? Yes, so so yes. I really needed to figure out who Agnes is and was. And funny enough, I think that the issues that you deal with of self-rejection whether you deal with them in your personal life with why me, you take them into your workplace, into every other relationship that you have. So I started minimizing myself and then I had to reach a stage where I understood that it was okay to be me and that I'm not for everyone and that 
you know, my best contribution to be the, to the world is to be my best self. So I had to learn to pick myself up, to affirm myself in my work, to affirm myself in, you know, the social life that I had, the people that I keep company with, friends, etc., And to, yeah, and to be okay with it and to then just reach a stage where I made a decision that I was moving into a house. I didn't want to live in a flat anymore. Come on, um, you know. levels. <laughs> Come on, sister. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I knew that I wanted to to just be myself, you know, and that I wanted to furnish my house a certain way. I wanted to... Um, yeah, you know, to have a driver, I wanted to, so that I'd be able to free myself up to work. Um, you know, most of my commutes are 45 minutes and that kind of thing. So, you know, so those were, were, were decisions that I made um, that, that helped me to just say, you know, I'm going to say yes to Agnes and to who she is. Yeah. That is so powerful. One of the reasons that I started Hungry Women at Work was in my early work experience, I always found that my female leaders almost had to go the extra mile to prove that they were more tough and decisive and assertive than their male counterparts because they didn't want to be seen as weak or too compassionate. Um, but what it, what it ended up doing was it, it led to a distinct lack of empathy. Um, and, you know, they... I didn't necessarily see them leading as their authentic selves because I think they had to try mm-hmm. so hard to show up as someone else in order to be accepted in the workplace. Yeah. Are you still seeing that in your experiences with especially helping young entrepreneurs? Do you see that still playing out or are the trends shifting? No, I think sadly, um, you see it still um, playing out. I think the only shift that I've seen is that there are a lot more women in um, in leadership. I mean, an interesting fact about me is that I, I've only ever been mentored by men. So it didn't occur to me ever that I might be a female role model until, you know, young women started reaching out to me. And it was a shock because it sort of forced me to then become a conscious um, participant in in helping young women find their place, whether they're looking for a job, looking for a promotion. You know, just this weekend, I met two young ladies. One um, is thinking of starting something new and she doesn't enjoy her job, blah, blah, blah. And the other one knows that it's time to, to move to a new job. She's just gone through what I went through, which is, you know, her promotion was given to someone else oh, who she's also nice. having to train. Yeah. So, so I think, um, so I think the, the positive um, pro- uh, progression has been the number of women in leadership. And we also see it in, you know, presidencies, et cetera. I think the other one is that, you know, female remuneration is now more mainstream as a discussion and some companies are trying a little bit more. I don't think it's changed that much. Um, but At I think the conversations the, are happening a bit more than they were before. Yes. And, and it's something that you can raise that is known. But I think as you rightly said, you know, as a woman, you always have to try harder and you always have to 
to, to try and win in an environment that chooses to look at you through quite a specific lens. Don't be too loud. Don't be yes. too pretty. Don't be too dark. Don't be too natural. Don't sure. be too slay queen. Don't be too, you know, there's so many things. Don't be too clever. You know, Don't I want to you. Like, <laughs> Don't be yeah. to you. Yes. Like I once had lunch with a group of guys and we were debating, I don't know, politics or something like that. And then at the end of them, one of them pulled me inside and he said, you know, sometimes you should just let men win. And again, (laughs) moment I've never forgotten because I was like, I'm so confused about what's just happened. Wow. So. What? Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, truly. Yeah. Wow. No, that's, I feel like we have just begun to scratch the surface and there's so much more that I want to, yeah, your thoughts on, um, but in the interest of time, I want to transition to a part of the show called Rapid Fire, where I fire a series of short questions at you and you just tell me the first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? Yes. A song that always gets you through the day. A song that gets me through the day. Anything by Mary Mary or Alicia Keys. A book that's changed the way you think about work. Uh, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Because he teaches a principle of giving more work than what you're paid for. So that was my first lesson in value creation. Wow. A gadget or app that helps you work smarter? My cell phone, because on it I have Zulzi for grocery shopping, Sweep South for domestic health, and Uber for transport. And I basically run my world from my desk through apps. Come on, come on. (laughs) Your advice to your younger self? Ignore all the noise around you. Don't compare. You know, these days you guys have Twitter and, and, and news flashes and Insta face and all these things. Um, so ignore all of that and just be yourself, focus on yourself and you're going to get there. Success is inevitable. Three things that keep you centered. Um... Three things that keep me centered. The first one is my faith. That's the most important thing to me. The second one is my siblings. I have two brothers who I love dearly. And because they're siblings, you know, nothing impresses them about you. And yeah. (laughs) Um, And then the third thing is children, because I I feel like four to six year olds have a very honest take on life. So they, they, they help me get perspective. Yeah. You need to hang out with my five-year-old a bit more um, and we can win in this equation. (laughs) One thing thing you do to overcome distraction? Um, Spend the first part of my day praying and planning so that by the time I get into my day, I know exactly what my first five actions are going to be. So... Yeah, when I don't do that, then the day actually just flies at me. Hmm. So, yeah. Your advice to younger working women? My advice to younger working women is, um, yeah, I think don't, uh, don't let... The, the working don't let the working world define you so and that you are 
this is a phrase I read somewhere that you are the cause and not the effect of your life, which means that you are the one who who can create the outcomes that you want. So don't sit back thinking that someone is going to recognize you. Someone is going to affirm you for being a good worker, good whatever. Um, that when you do well, also go out there and ask for what you want, ask for opportunities, ask for, yeah, ask for, ask for what you want, create your results. Your advice to senior women leaders. I think my advice to senior women leaders, as I've gotten older, what I've learned is that leadership is about is about human connection and less about what we know or the degrees we have um, and you know things like that. So we should lean on 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 some of the the strengths of being a woman like compassion and empathy and 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 things that we're we're raised being taught are what a woman does so i think that's what makes women better leaders this ability to create connections and communities um, and through that leverage people for results beautiful words to end off on I think we need to do a part 2 and say that we'll have you back on the show sometime Agnes Sibanda, this has been a pleasure and a privilege. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us. And even though you didn't know it back then, you have been um, a role model to people like myself and so many others. And thanks for sharing so much of your wisdom with us here today. Give your brand a voice with Audio Dacious. For podcasting, IVR and audio content solutions. Check us out at audiodacious.com. I hate to say it, but I told you so. Agnes truly is a straight talker who leaves you feeling so empowered. I think we'll definitely have to have her back on the show in the future. I'm really keen to hear your thoughts on the episode and how you have overcome or are currently still dealing with disappointment. Because let's face it, it's not an overnight thing. Please talk to us on Instagram at Hungry Woman at Work. Today's listener question is from Anonymous in Randberg. She writes, I feel like I'm regularly overlooked for promotions, even though I've been working at my current job for three years now. Which courses would you recommend I take to increase my chances of not being passed up next time? I asked Agnes her thoughts and here's what she had to say. The problem with a lot of young black people is that when we um, are stuck or feeling disappointed in the workplace, instead of um, thinking about whose help do I need and how do I go after an opportunity, we tend to go and do another qualification. So on LinkedIn, I get lots of things from people who say I'm a qualified accountant and I would diploma in tax and in auditing and in this thing and, and in these and other two things. That, yes, <laughs> well, there's that too. <laughs> and in these two other things that, you know, that have nothing to do with my job. Um, oh, change management is a popular one. Um, but, you know, people, so, so, so then people use those accolades and put them in front and hope that those accolades will help them get the next opportunity or an MBA. Whereas if you're in a place where there are people who have authority and have the ability to, to help you move ahead, what we should be doing is to say, whose help do I need? So it might be 
Bob um, Englishman who's, you know, who's in his 50s and he can be your advocate. So you can go to a person like that and say, Bob, I want to be in your seat or I want to be in Tom's seat or in Mary's seat or whatever in the next few years. How do I get there? And allow yourself to also learn from someone who maybe doesn't look like you, uh, color-wise or gender-wise, but that has information that you need and can be a catalyst or an accelerant for you. So we also need to learn how to use the environments that we're in and the people that we're in rather than collecting another qualification because that does not convert into promotion, neither does it convert into wealth. You know, so because then some of the people we look at and we resent, we're like, oh, but he doesn't have the same 15 qualifications that I do. Yes, because instead of looking for qualifications, he looked for people. Hard words, but truthful. From my side, I've been in many recruitment processes and I can honestly say that there are consistently three things that stand out for me on any CV or in any promotion process. Number one work experience, whether paid work or voluntary work. Number two, work experience. And number three, self-awareness. That self-awareness that says this candidate recognizes that they've got the right training or adequate experience to match what the role is actually asking for. Not what you hope to be one day in the future and have done nothing to help you get there. I like seeing that you've done courses, yes, because it shows that you are willing to learn. And I think that's amazing and I commend you for that. But rather show me how you've started implementing some of what you've learned on those courses. That gets you noticed and that gets you promoted faster. Anonymous, I hope that helps and I wish you all the best with throwing your experience pool, whether you're getting paid for it or not. And I wish you all the best with getting that promotion. So that's it for today's show. Thank you for tuning in. And remember to subscribe to Hungry Women at Work on iTunes, Spotify, Iono FM, and of course, on Google Podcasts. Till next time, keep thriving at work without losing your soul.